Well, good morning again, and uh, so thankful that you are here. Uh, as Nick said, my name is Chris, one of the pastors here, and uh, thankful that we can be able to gather this morning and share this time as we are in our fourth and final week of Advent. We have taken time to look at hope and peace and joy, and today we are talking about love. Love, right? Here we go. We're going to talk about love, and so what we've done, just as we've been doing the last couple of weeks, is we have been inviting kids to join us. And so we have two of the world's foremost experts on love joining us today. And so I want to invite uh, Brindley Swallow and Violet Gruneveld uh, to come and join us up here. So let's give them a welcome as they come forward. Our... I'm just messing with you. I did that in first service, too. See, you had it right, so it's kind of messed with you here. So would you two introduce yourself? Would you share your name and how old you are? Hi, I'm Brindley Swallow, and I am nine years old. All right. So we have two nine-year-olds up here, Brindley and Violet, and thank you both for being willing to do this. Is this nerve-wracking? Like, is this nervous? Yeah. I get nervous, too, but don't tell them. Every week, I really do. He so. nervous. Oh, where are your parents? Where that? <laughs> I like her. <laughs> so Christmas is very, very, very close. What is, Brinley, what's your favorite part about Christmas? Opening presents with my family. Awesome. What about you, Violet? I have an elf on a shelf, and I really like it. Oh, yeah, you have an elf on a shelf, and you really like it. Is your elf on the shelf behaved this year? Ish. All right. Yeah. Yeah. They usually do that. So they, they get kind of tricky there. Uh, last week, Pastor Nick asked the question about a gift you're really hoping for for Christmas. Is there one special gift that you're really, really hoping for, parents? Um, I got one of my, like, top gifts that I wanted was a nutcracker because I was in the nutcracker. Yes. So, and I got that this year, so I'm very excited. That is outstanding. So that, that gift you really wanted, you already got. So very, very good. And the nutcracker was amazing. So great job. Probably the exact same thing for me. The exact same thing. Parents, take the gifts back. They got their nutcrackers. They're good. We don't need a Christmas morning, so uh, you can do that. So Christmas is coming up, and, uh, and so we're so excited. And really, the Christmas story, as I'm going to say here in a few minutes, is a love story. Often, we don't think about Christmas as a love story. But when I say the word love, what other words come to your mind? Caring for other people. Yeah. Yeah, good. What about you, Violet? What words come to mind when you think of love? Maybe peace. Peace, yeah. Caring for one another and peace. Those are really, really good answers. And so we have love, and we, we, sometimes we complicate love. We make it really, really hard. Um, do you know anyone who loves someone else? Anyone that's in love? Do you two know anyone like that? No? Violet? Uh, Drew and Rochelle, how about like three o'clock tomorrow in my office? <laughs> Brinley, do you know anyone that loves each other? Um, my family. Your family, yeah. And I'm sure your family does as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that was really good. So <laughs> I like that answer. When, you, uh, when, when people love each other, how do they act? What do they do? They are not mean or bullying. Yeah, they're not mean or bullying. That's a good answer. 
When people love each other, what do they do, Violet? What have you witnessed? Whether that's your parents or your siblings or some friends, how do they treat each other? Kindness and respect. With kindness and respect. That's really good. That's really good answers. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm guessing your parents love you both very much. I'm guessing that's true. Okay. Yeah. You agree? Okay. All right. Good. I don't have to have that conversation either. So, uh, so how do they show you love? Violet, why don't you go first? How do, they, how do your parents show you love? They take care of me, and they give me food and stuff. And yes. And help me go to sleep. And help you go to sleep, yeah. So, yep, give you food, help you with lots of different things. That's really good. What about you, Brindley? They hug me, and they um, do not hurt me. Yeah, they hug you and not hurt you. Absolutely. That's really, really great. All right, last question for you. Um, there's a lot of people who are listening to us right now here, and they're watching online, too. Um, how, what would, what would, how would the world be different if we just truly loved one another? How would the world be better? There would, like, um, nothing really would be bad in the world. Yeah, yep, yep, that's good, Brindley. How would the world be better, Violet, if we really loved each other? We would all go to heaven, and it wouldn't be the same without Mm, yeah. So not only would it be impacted here, it'd be impact, impacted in heaven in eternity too. That is awesome. Those are really good answers. Brinley, thank you. Violet, thank you so very much. Let's give them a round of applause. So thank you, ladies. So good job. So thank you. I have loved these conversations and uh, being able to listen to them. And hopefully, you've taken something from them. Uh, when you look at a child's heart and a child's answers, there's such innocence. And I love when Jesus called the children to himself. He, the adults around him were like, no, 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 kids, stay away. Jesus is like, let them come to me. And we need to hear things like this. We need to be reminded of a child's heart. We need to be reminded of how a child sees the world. And so whether you are around kids here or it's your grandkids or your own kids or whoever it may be, um, ask them questions because it's refreshing and renewing uh, because we can become really cynical and jaded as adults as we listen to a lot of things. And so be reminded of a child's heart there. And I just love the answers uh, about love. And love, it is as simple as what you just heard but yet, you know it's a complicated reality. As you think about relationships around you, the complication and the hardship that love can be. I mean, there have been countless songs and books and movies uh, written and, and demonstrating love. There have been wars fought. There have been families brought together because of love and families tore apart because of love. You've done crazy things for love. I can count on that. And, and we have had just the opportunity to laugh about love and to cry over love as well. And whether young or old, we all need love. Not just conceptually we need love, but we need it around us. It needs to be a tangible reality with both human beings and also God above to really understand the fullness of what love is and how love was demonstrated. Now, love, for as much as we desire it to be, it is not a tangible good that you go to the store and you buy. You're like, of course, Chris, that's ridiculous. But sometimes we treat it like a commodity. We treat it like something that we can just exchange. But rather, it is something we feel. It's something we experience. It's something we share, we give, we receive. And we live in 
and around. And it's the story of Christmas. The Christmas story is a love story. It's a story of God who is love, giving himself as an act of love to a world who needs love. Christmas is a love story. And it's a story about a God who gave his very presence as a gift of love, as an act of love. John chapter 1, verse 14, it's one of my favorite birth narratives. It's not your typical birth narrative that you would read about in the season. But verse 14 says this, it says, The Word, God, Logos, all of being, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Christmas is a story of incarnation, of God who is love, who cannot be separated from love, giving himself, and he putting flesh and blood on and walking on our planet. This is what this passage is talking about. This is what incarnation is, God dwelling with us. You may have heard Eugene Peterson's uh, version of this verse. He said this, he said, um, he said, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That God came close to you. God came close to me. God came close to this world because he wanted to be part of life with humanity. It was and is the greatest act of love in history. And there's something powerful about presence. Not just presence like we get under the tree, but the presence of one another and the presence of God. And it's why it's so important in this time of year for us to be reminded that God came to us. See, when you think of people that you love, or people that you have loved, people that love you, or people who have loved you, I'm guessing that presence was an important part of that relationship. Whether they're in your own home, or they made special time for you, or you had these special events, whatever it may be, you felt the love because you were together. Henry Nouwen, he describes it this way. He says, to care or to love means, first of all, to be present to each other. From experience, you know that those who care for you or love you become present to you. When they listen, they listen to you. When they speak, they speak to you. Their presence is a healing presence because they accept you on your own terms and they encourage you to take your own life seriously. You know when someone's not listening to you. You know when someone's not really speaking to you. You know when someone is not present with you. The gift of presence is powerful when we are with one another. As I thought back about the time that I dated my wife, Joanna, is that much of our relationship was apart from one another. She lived in Ann Arbor and was going to school there. And in that time, I lived in Nashville, Tennessee, and Philadelphia, and Holland, Michigan, and then also here in Marshall. Our dating relationship was defined by distance. We loved any opportunity we had to be together. Whether that was a, a quick connection, whether that was a longer amount of time, whatever it was, is we valued that time and being in the presence of one another. And it was in those times that love grew, when we were near one another. Again, this is the story of Christmas, of God drawing near in the person of Jesus Christ. John 3.16 is another perfect Christmas verse. 
For God so loved the world that he gave. Again, presence. He gave his presence. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And verse 17 is an essential verse that we must always tie on to this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Too often we have a picture of a God who comes to condemn, to come to look for that word you said or that thought you had or that thing you did. And you fear this God of like, ah, he's going to crush me because of this. And instead of seeing the gift of Jesus as one of salvation, the one of hope, the one of love, you see it as a, as a, a fear-inducing, condemning reality. Some of us have had this picture of God throughout our whole life, that we are just so afraid of God that we cannot understand that God is love. We can't reconcile that in our mind. But Christmas the message of the scripture is about a God who loves us. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 paints this picture of a God who loves us, but there's a purpose of this love and a purpose of this coming. It says this, She, Mary, will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. See, love is the motivating factor. Love is the catalyst, the response is the salvation, the forgiveness of sins. God was motivated by love to come to us, to save us from our sins. Love came to us. Paul to the church at Philippi, he said this. He said, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Here's incarnation. Here's the birth narrative. This is the Christmas story. Verse 8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. So we see God in a loving act of who he is coming incarnate in the manger, but also this love at the cross. There's this love in the manger, this love at the cross. In chapter 1 of Matthew continues by saying, All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. God is here. God was there. That love is present. Love drew near to us. This pure Love of who God is. And we could argue that love is experienced most when it's present, when people show up. I imagine when you think of your life, you think of the times where you felt the most loved, someone showed up. And you could think on the flip side of that too, is that maybe a time that you felt the most unloved is when that person did not show up. What I mean is this, is that cards and texts and emails and phone calls, these are important and purposeful and great and good. But when that loved one died, I imagine you remember the person who showed up at your house or you remember the person who showed up at the funeral home. 
I'm guessing you remember the person when you broke up with that person that came and sat on the couch next to you, you remember that person and you felt the love. You remember that person on the sideline or in the theater or at your performance, whatever it may be, that person being there, you felt that love. They showed up. But again, you felt the pain when that person was absent when you went through that breakup. You felt the pain when that person didn't show up on the sideline. Presence is powerful. And this is why God did not just stay at a distance, but God drew near in the person of Jesus Christ. He knew the power of presence. That's why he sent us Jesus. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. That's why the church exists. All three being essential. God drew near, loved drew near in Jesus, drew near in the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of the church is to draw near in love. It's a demonstration of love that's ongoing and other-focused. If you have your Bible with you, I want to read a passage out of 1 John this morning. It's a longer passage, and I'm going to encourage you to go back. And read it again. First John chapter 4. It's a longer passage here, but I want you to think of this in light of Christmas, in light of presence, in light of others focused, in light of incarnating God and Jesus through the Holy Spirit and as the church. It says this, starting in verse 7 of chapter 4 of 1 John. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. The last three verses. We love because he first loved us. And whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. 
Now, this is a long passage where the word love is used at least 25 times. And we discover these things about love and about God, that all love comes from God, that it's through love that we can know God. That God is love. That God loves because that's who he is. He, he, he can't not love. Is that? I don't even know if I said that right. You get the point. He is love, so he's not without love. That it's because we're loved by God, that's what our motivation is, is to love other people, even difficult people. Love drives out fear, and that love is made complete in us when we love one another. That love is essential for each other. It's how we show that we love God and God loves us. This week I was... As the week was ending, I started thinking about a word, and the word is performative. And I started thinking about this in light of love. Is performative love. Because a lot of us have existed and have grown up in a performative love reality. Maybe that is at home where you had to earn your parents' attention and it felt like you had to earn their love. Or at work, you had to earn your way to whatever it may be but especially before God. Maybe you grew up in an environment where you felt like you had to earn God's love. That you had to be that good person and make that right choice and be moral and pray and read and, and serve and have all the pure thoughts and be sinless. And once you did all those things well, then God would love you. I want to tell you that's a lie. Because God loves you. God loved you then. He loves you now. He loves you tomorrow. Because God is love. Love cannot be separated from God. And as I think about this passage here, is that we love because God loved us, and, and how it just talks about that love comes from God. I think about the way the Father God looks at me and looks at you. I think about how, how his base emotion toward me is love. It's not anything else. And the same thing towards you. That's base emotion towards you is love. Not all the other things that are raging in your mind right now saying, no, it can't be love. I've done this, 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 this. I haven't done this, 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 this. We read a passage like 1 Corinthians 13 about what love is. And it's often at weddings when there's two idealized kids getting married and everything's going to be perfect forever. And like, this is the perfect passage. It is, but it's about love and it's about God. Is what if we read that passage not as a performative passage, but a passage about God? Hear this passage again. This, this starts as love is patient, love is kind. You know this one. Or listen to it this way. God is patient. God is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He's not proud. God does not dishonor others. He is not self-seeking. He's not easily angered. He keeps no records of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes always perseveres. God, God never fails. 
As I think about this verse, I think about my base emotion, my core emotion of love towards my children. I have two kids. I love them with all of who I am. But they drive me crazy. (laughs) And you drove or drive your parents crazy. But guess what? I love them. And I will do anything for them. When they disobey, when they rebel, when they don't want to listen to what I say, when they do whatever they want, I love them. They drive me crazy again, but I love them. This is how God sees us at a thousand percent larger reality. When you disobey, when you rebel, when you don't want to listen to God, and when you do your own thing, God's base emotion towards you is love. Just like me, I will bring my kids back to me. I will, I will guide them and direct them. God will do the same thing. But some of you have just felt like you have done way too much and that there's no way that God can love you. Maybe at a conceptual level, God loves you. But to really be played out, you're like, it just can't be true. Again, that is a lie. God loves you more than you will ever know. And Christmas is this yearly reminder where we stop and we're reminded that God gave his one and only son, motivated by pure love, so that you and I can find life and find life eternal and find life to the full. This is a beautiful reality of Christmas. It's this pure love. And love is all over this Christmas story from Joseph's protective love of Mary to to Mary's deep love of her newborn to the Father's love of sending Jesus. As people who follow God in the name of Jesus Christ, following Jesus, and we find salvation because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, it's because of love. And if I could ask of anything this Christmas for you, I would pray that you would just sit And know that God loves you. Yep, you did that thing. You said that thing. Yep, you had that thought. Yep, yep, this passed. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, God knows it. But God loves you. God loves you. Just rest in this reality. That love came down. That love drew near. That God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. I'm going to invite um, some to come and sing a song. And as they sing the song, I want you to listen to the lyrics. And I want you to respond however that may be. I want you to listen, to allow God's love to wash over you, and to respond as you feel led. In first service, as I was listening to the song, it struck me. A reality struck me. Is that the Israelites have been waiting for a king, waiting for darkness to break, waiting for light, waiting for the Messiah, waiting for the Savior. 
and love came. And I, I picture Mary and Joseph, and I, and I picture the shepherds coming and, and just kneeling. We have these images all around us of kneeling before the king, the Messiah, love incarnate. And as we sing this song and we listen to these words, I encourage you just to respond as the Lord leads you and to picture this gift of the Christ child so long ago and how it's a gift of love then and a gift of love now. See never end. 
till the end of time my soul surrender last number of weeks we have been turning bulbs we've been sharing what God has been doing you can have a seat for a second here what God's been doing, and uh, this morning I know there's at least two people who want to turn bulbs, so I'm going to invite uh, Katie and Tori uh, to come forward, and they want to share uh, briefly what God has done in their life, and uh, so I'm going to invite them to come forward, and as they share, uh, if you've recently made a decision for Jesus Christ uh, for the first time, I want you to come and turn a bulb. You don't have to say anything. Uh, we just love to celebrate with you, and then you can come forward here. And then, uh, or if you've rededicated your life recently, uh, the same thing. So you can just think about that. So, all right. Um, hello, my name is Katie. I'm not really comfortable up here. I don't be down here with you guys, but uh, maybe I'll reach someone with my story. So here I go. Okay. I was raised in church. I was baptized as a teenager. And I knew God and who God and Jesus were, but I don't think I ever really felt the Holy Spirit until recently. I went to college and I sort of lost my faith. Um, I stopped believing in God. But looking back, He never left my side. He's been with me all along. I've lived a blessed life. Um, I'm divorced but remarried to a wonderful man, and he's my partner in all ways. Always, and we have a beautiful two-year-old daughter. Um, after having her, I went through a pretty bad stint of postpartum depression. My anxiety was at an all-time high, and I didn't function well. Um, it gets a little dark here, so just bear with me. Um, I also learned about human trafficking, and maybe because I'm a new mother, it just reinforced to me that the devil is real, and it brought me to my knees. If the devil is real, so is God, and I want to walk with him. I want my daughter to walk with him and be under his protection. I surrender my worries and fear to him. And now I pray when I have anxiety, I try to be, I try my best to give it to God. We um, jam out to Family Life Radio in the car and listen to our favorite Christian bands at bath time and while making meals. The Holy Spirit surrounds us and life is good. Um, I appreciate the good moments and I ask for help from him in the hard moments, which means I'm praying a lot. Um, I'm also excited to share Christmas with my daughter and teach her the real meaning, the story of Jesus' birth. Thank you. Hi, I'm Tori. Um, that was my sister. And um, I have prayed a lot about what I was going to say today, that the Lord would just give me the courage to get up here and tell a little bit of my story so that I might just be able to spread the good news of how he truly saved my life. And maybe by hearing this, it could help to save one of yours. And that's really my only mission now, to share the good news and how he truly can change your life. So my story, similar to my sister's, is one of being raised in the Presbyterian church, always being surrounded in the word of God and people who um, love the Lord. My mom and dad both loved the Lord also, and at the age of eight, things really took a turn for me. My father passed away, sorry, instead of turning to the Lord, I felt that honestly God's shoulders were big enough for me to place the blame in. It was a love and a lot of anger kind of relationship. As I got older, the chains and bondage began to start wrapping around me and seemed as if they were never going to stop. 
It was a downhill battle to say the least. Anxiety, depression, loneliness, abandonment, addiction, grief, fear, overwhelming sadness, struggle after struggle, and the worst of it all was the overwhelming feeling that I was just so, so lost. Just basically wondering. I ended up in a car accident that almost took my life and blows just still kept coming. I had seriously lost it. I was ready to call it quits. When lo and behold, my sister came home to Texas and announced she was pregnant. Although God had been by my side through all of my troubles, I had just never called on him. He showed himself to me through the miracle, this gift of my niece. She is everything to me. She gave me something to live for, but even better than that, she has showed me God. I am now planning on going to school for ministry. It's funny how God's plan is always bigger, so much grander than what we could ever have imagined. I walk with the Holy Spirit every day. I feel him changing me in ways I could have never imagined for myself. He broke all my chains and more. To know him is to truly know real love. And that's my slightly summed up story of how my relationship with Jesus Christ and his grace and mercy has truly saved my life. God is good. Katie and Tori, we celebrate with you and what God has done and what God continues to do. Uh, anyone else uh, recently received Christ or rededicated your life? You can speak or you can just turn a ball, whatever it may be. Anyone else? All right. All right. Looking for the cue there. So I didn't know if you had something more there. So like, I love you, Jesus. Can we do that? That I love you. simple song here. Uh, would you stand? We're going to close with a song and a prayer. And uh, so simple words, John, I'll leave it. So this isn't going to be on the screen, but this is really simple. Just you are my, my holy one. You are the one my heart loves. And I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. In the morning, in the noonday, in the evening. So we're going to sing that out. You are my, my holy You are the one my heart loves. In the noonday, in 
Lord, you send us uh, into many different situations. But Lord, you don't leave us alone. You go with us. So Father, thank you for your presence, for your love. We pray your peace and blessing upon all who hear these words. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.